All right, everybody. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody who is watching and following along uh, as you've done for over the pretty much almost now as we've uh, kind of the virus pandemic together. Uh, I am Will Driscoll, the executive director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. I'd like to thank you for joining us today on the Hall of Fame's Facebook Live interview series. We've done a few of these so far, and the discussion has always revolved around how we're coping without sports. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it seems like that tide is turning and and there are signs of life. Uh, we're actually thrilled to be joined today by 2019 Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee Jeff Burton. Uh, Jeff is a South Boston native, 21-time 21 21-time winner on NASCAR's highest circuit, 254 top tens as well for everybody who's keeping count. Uh, but currently, Jeff is a lead analyst for NBC Sports NASCAR Broadcast and NASCAR America, always a respected driver among his peers. Uh, it's a pleasure to be joined today by the mayor. So, Jeff, thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule. Well, thank you. I'm uh, glad to spend some time with everybody. It's uh, it'd be a lot more fun being able to be with everybody, having conversation in person. But if we can't do that, we'll find the next best thing. And Zoom has found a way to uh, to do some really cool stuff, so we can communicate and and, and do things like this. And it's fun. It's fun to do. It, you're you're right. It's just been great to be able to still talk about sports, even though we don't really have the games and the events to talk about. Uh, you know, preview and, and do, a, you know, post-game wrap-ups. But you can follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff Burton. Obviously, this is on Facebook Live, so if you have any questions, feel free to ask, and we'll try to get this on during the stream today. Um, but I guess I'll just kick it off like this, Jeff. Most of the people we've been talking to, the, the first question is, where were you when you heard that sports were stopped? You know, what, what was your reaction? You're actually the first person we get to ask about the return. Uh, how long had this decision been in the works and when did you find out from NASCAR that you guys were going to be coming back May 17th? Well, the, the conversations that started, uh, you got to understand, I was on the ground. I was on the ground in Atlanta. Uh, we had landed with, I fly with Joe Gibbs when I travel there on their race with their race team. We had landed uh, in Atlanta, headed to the racetrack, Un, you know, knowing things could change and sure enough, they changed. And then immediately, honestly, what happens is you go through this process of, when are you going to start back, right? And, and they, they, they had a, a date that became very clear it wasn't going to happen. Um, and then it really, it was hard for any organization to say, we're going to do it on this date because, you know, you have to deal not just with your teams and your sport itself, but you have to deal with state and federal authorities. Like, when can you go places? So NASCAR has been juggling uh, with states, with counties, uh, with the federal government, uh, they've been juggling that. And then also, what can the teams do? Because just for an example, so uh, the governor of North Carolina said that race teams can go to work because they, you know, they are like, they work on cars, like, uh, you know, an auto mechanic place, they work on a car. Mm -hmm. But in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, the, the requirement was more stringent. It was stiffer. So we, so Joe Gibbs Racing, and I believe Hendrick Motorsports, even though the governor said North Carolina could get going, those two shops couldn't because the county of Mecklenburg County had a more stringent guideline and you have to go by the most strict one. So imagine NASCAR trying to deal with all these things. So we, we started hearing rumors, you know, gosh, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, you know, uh, you know, we're going to try to go back here and then it would change. We can go here. Then it would change. We'll go here. You know what I mean? So finally all the, all the dots got connected and, and local and, and local and state and county and, and uh, federal officials, you know, got comfortable with what NASCAR could do. Uh, and, and that's when it finally came out. But 
uh, the work that's gone into that. And by the way, still going into that. I mean, even though there's a schedule and, and a more detailed, longer schedule, I think will be released relatively soon. There's still a tremendous amount of work that's going into making all that happen. So this, is a, this has been a moving target. Uh, and I expect some things to move again. I think that they're racing next weekend. I think that's going to happen. But, but I think how they race and, and what the next race, you know, three races from now and all that, I think that's going to continue to move. Where are most of these teams based? You mentioned how just in North Carolina, you have teams in different counties and that may affect like how they can operate. But where are most of these teams based? Is North Carolina kind of the hub for that? Yeah, North Carolina is, is where most of the teams are, but not all of them. And, and uh, you know, so if you, you think about it, so just like in the truck series, for example, um, you know, there's a team that's, uh, you know, out of Ohio. Well, what if they can't go to their shop? Is it fair? for that team to not be able to race because they don't live in a state that they go to work. I mean, those are, those are just conversations that you just never thought you would be having to have. Uh, fortunately, most of the, most of the teams are in North Carolina, uh, but they're in different counties, but now most of the teams have gone back to work. Uh, although it limited, you know, they don't have full staffing. They're limited. Um, one thing NASCAR has asked the teams to do is they said, if you go to the race shop, we are, we're asking you not to go to the track. Mm -hmm. and uh and vice versa and then also if there's if there's a way to do it with less people and 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 uh have you know because obviously you have to deal with the state laws you know how do you do it with x amount of people versus what you were doing it with so most of the teams have gone back to work but in a different way what has the reaction been in racing circles i mean obviously everybody wants to get back to work and that's not just sports that's just pretty much everything yeah. right now people just want to get back to work but what was yeah. the reaction uh, among the race among the racers the pit crews the teams that are actually out there working well so um they were ready to go back to work when we left atlanta <laughs> <You know what laughs> I mean? they were they were two months ago they're like let's go you know what i mean and you know you got to be careful right because people are fearful for their jobs and, and, you know, the sport itself is fearful. It's, a, you know, how it can survive, just like everybody is. Uh, so you got to be careful not to listen to those voices. Like you got to listen to the voices of, uh, yes, we do have to go back to work, but we have to do it in a certain way. But, but the industry is, is um, you know, keep, keep this in mind. There's, I don't know of another industry that is um, so reliant on, on corporate America and, spark, and sponsorship and marketing agreements, marketing partners. Uh, I think NASCAR leads all categories in that, right? So um, although, you know, every sport team has sponsors uh, in some form or fashion, that doesn't normally make up the majority of their income. In our case, it does. And so it's really important for our sport to get back on the racetrack so that we can fulfill our obligations to our marketing partners. And so, they can be getting their message out. And, and uh, so it's, it's vitally important. But from a country standpoint, um, outside of business, and I think this matters, I think morale, country matter, morale matters. I think a live sporting event is going to do wonders. Forget the economy, forget the budget, forget all that stuff. Although, you know, we, I wish we could, but forget, act like that doesn't matter. But Matt, how do we get this country so that people are excited and they have something to do and someone to pull for and someone to pull against and, and all the things that competition makes happen, right? The reason there's a Sports Hall of Fame in Virginia is because of the passion that mm -hmm. sports brings. So, you know, being able to be the first, one of the first sports back 
uh, is important because of, of the morale of the country. Uh, that, that's not the reason to go back, right? The reason to go back is because uh, the protocols are in place, things are in place so that we can go back. Motorsports is uniquely positioned, in my opinion, you know, when the driver gets in the car, who the hell is he going to be in contact with, right? When the pit crews are changing tires, they're on pit road, they're in a fire suit, they have gloves, they have a helmet on, they have a head sock on. You know, there's, motorsports is this unique situation to get going again because of the very nature of how it works. Um, and I think through that, I think we can be a leader. I think the sport can be a leader. And how does industry get back to work under these guidelines or those guidelines and, and different from this state to that state? I think we can help be a leader in, in, in getting back to work. We've got to get back to work, right? But we also have to protect people. And I think we can be a leader in, 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 in making that happen. You, you actually just kind of alluded to it that NASCAR is set up where they probably had an easier path to move forward than other sports like football, basketball, baseball, hockey, things like that, where you're always in contact with people. But there is still some adaptation that goes into it. So how is the crew? Because that's still a confined space. What are the yeah. protocols in place to make sure that these safety measures are being implemented? Or what are the new safety measures? Well, so it's a lot of them. I'm going to hit the highlights. So first of all, uh, you know, for these first few races, there's no practice. Uh, there's no qualifying. So they're going to drop the green flag with no practice and no qualifying. Are they, and, are they just going to base that off of standings? So the first race are going to base off point standings. And then they're, what they're trying to figure out is how many races do they think they're going to have to go without qualifying? Mm -hmm. And so remember with, with the way points are paid today, you know, you get roughly a third of the way through the race. And if you, if you're in the top 10, you get points for that. So it's not fair to just say, okay, every single race, we're going to start by points. Perhaps it's not fair. Maybe it is. So they're trying to find a way so that maybe somebody starts on the pole one race and the next race, they start 30th. You know what I mean? And mix the field up in an equal way. So everybody has the same opportunity to go earn those points because you couldn't get your position by qualifying. So there's, a, they're, they're still sorting that out. Um, there's less people at the racetrack. You know, the, the teams are limited on the number of people they can bring. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, there's no fans there, uh, which is greatly disappointing. Uh, but hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll be able to watch it on TV. But the fans not being there, what they think about this for a minute, that opens up the infield. So now the teams can be spread out inside that racetrack. So before every team was in one garage on the front straightaway at Darlington, now you can put part of the teams in the motorhome and the driver owner motorhome lot. You can put part of the teams on the back straightaway Xfinity garage. You can put part of the teams in the front straightaway uh, garage. Uh, they're going to separate the teams. They're going to have uh, testing type, different types of testing for people that are coming in the racetracks, temperature checks. Uh, teams are going to be isolated from other teams. They're only allowing, I believe it's two people in the hauler at any one given time. Um, there's a long list. Uh, there's a there's a number of people that can be on top of the pit box. There's a number of people that can be in the garage in the in the pit stall, and you still have to have a certain amount of space between you. You have to have a face mask in the garage. You have to have a helmet on on pit road. There's so many protocols uh, that they've been able to come up with, and you know they they had to. I don't know how this process worked. I don't want to pretend to, mm. but clearly, you know, for South Carolina, for North Carolina, for uh, wherever we may be going, 
the state and the counties had to agree to it as well, right? They had to look at the plan and say, okay, this makes sense. So uh, NASCAR didn't, they didn't dream this plan up by themselves. They consulted with, you know, the CDC, they consulted with uh, medical groups uh, to come up with this plan. It, the race is going to, once they drop the green flag, it's going to look the same, but everything getting to that point is going to look completely different. Yeah, no, it, it's it, this, like you just said, this isn't something that happened in a vacuum. I mean, there are so yeah. many layers to this, particularly with this, this virus and this pandemic. No, we were talking just before we went on, nobody's ever dealt with this. So this is yeah. something that there are so many layers to it. And, and it's good to hear that, that NASCAR has gone through those protocols because, you know, you mentioned it. It's, I think people are just itching for some type of competition to watch. And speaking of that competition, it is condensed. I mean, the, the initial rollout is seven total events, including four Cup Series races in 11 days, uh, hosting it at just two tracks, Darlington and Charlotte. How does the prep work go into that? I mean, because typically you're looking yeah. at a week, maybe two weeks with a few yeah. buys in there. You're looking at days now just to get ready for a race. Well, so one of the things that's happened is that, you know, this, the race at Darlington is going to be, you know, basically the team's going to drive there on Sunday race and drive home you know it's it's a two and a half hour drive from from uh, the charlotte area mm -hmm. uh the next race uh, at charlotte most teams are here so they'll drive to the track the morning of the event and drive back when it's over uh the having no practice think about this for one moment so having no practice or qualifying means that no team has to have a backup car no team has to have a backup engine no team has to have a backup transmission, a back, you know, right? I mean, like, there, you know, there's certain, you can't change an engine during a race. They don't let you. Uh, you won't need a backup car out. Once, once you get on a racetrack, you're done. So that allows the teams to staff the shops accordingly so that you can meet all the protocols that are, that are going to be required to be met. So the track, the, the event at the track is the end result of everything else. So when I said everything around that changes, it changes a great deal for reasons, right? So even though I think logistically and safely, you probably could have had a practice, having a practice creates a situation where the people at the shop now have so much more work to do because you have to have a backup car. And so now you have to have more staffing at the shop than if you hadn't have had. So one thing leads to another, right? And and so these first few races, uh, the the you know I don't know what it's going to look like in July. I, I just don't know. I don't think anybody does. But for these first few races, uh, you and to have this many races in this many days, you had to change stuff so that the teams are capable. And remember, they're operating with less people probably. So you got to change how things happen prior to the race so that because and you could make the races a little shorter, right? that doesn't do a whole lot. Maybe it keeps, you know, if you had two races that were both shortened, maybe that keeps it where you can run an engine one race longer or something like that. But uh, practice and qualifying and length of races, all that stuff adds up to, to need more people. video troubles and sound still there Jeff? now yep gotcha now yep now i heard you finish up that that last comment but you know you talked about how the strain actually might be less on the crews because you know they're really just focused on the one car talk about the car though 
for the people who don't understand the, the ins and outs of the cars, you know, what kind of pressure goes on, goes into these, these, this apparatus over the course of 11 days and about 1600 miles is what we're looking at. Well, so, um, the car that they're going to run at Darlington on Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, is probably not the same car they have slated to run on Wednesday. Okay. Right. And then the car they're going to run at Charlotte the next Sunday is probably neither one of those two cars either. Um, Cause you have to plan as if you're going to wreck in every race, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so, um, you know, they are, you know, they're working now, most likely, the cars are going to run at Darlington next Sunday. They're ready. They're working on the cars that are going to run at Charlotte on Wednesday, two weeks from now. You know, that's probably what they're working on. So, and the teams have a little bit of an idea about what the proposed long-term schedule is, although knowing it's probably going to change. So they're working and trying to work ahead of that as well. Um, the biggest issue for the car. So, you know, every, these race cars have just an amazing amount of adjustments you can make to them. So here you're going to go to Darlington, perhaps the most difficult racetrack that, we, that the circuit goes to, with the exception of the Roval. The Roval is the hardest. Um, how are you going to set it up? Like how, what springs, what shocks, what setup are you going to put in it, knowing you're not going to get practice? So how can you set that race car up so there's adjustability in it? So when your car takes off, because I promise you, everybody, when they unload at a racetrack and you're going to have practice, they unload with what they believe is the best setup they have. And none of them are. They all have to work. They all have to make them better. Um, so the pressure, all the pressure right now is on the engineers, the crew chief, and how are we going to set this race car up? Because we're not going to get a chance to practice it. And if the driver says, hey, I'm way too loose on the exit of four, well, you're going to have to deal with it for a little while because we can't help you. Um, that's really where all the pressure is going to be. So it, does that bring in a driver safety issue then if they can't get out and practice? And you just mentioned Darlington is probably one of the tougher tracks. Um, do we expect to see people maybe throttle it down a little bit at the beginning while they get their feel or those first 50 laps, 25 laps, is that the practice or are we just looking to rev those engines and go? Um, so, you know, drivers are just like us. We're all, they all have different personalities. And there's a handful of them that are sitting there saying, this is a huge advantage for me. I'm better than that. Those guys first lap, I'm going to barrel down in there because I don't need practice. There's another group that's sitting there saying, well, I hope our car is good enough and I'm going to go make sure I don't make a mistake. You know what I mean? Like everybody's different, right? They're yeah. all different, but you know, they're all, most of them are type A personalities and most of them, if you sit down and talk to them long enough or convinced they're the best driver that's on the track. Um, and they've been pinned up, right? So if you think about it, when we, when we do races on a, a Monday, so it rained on Sunday, or rain's coming, the weather's coming, the race is going to end early, we get wild races. Uh, there's something about pinned up hostility. So now we've been pinned up for over two months. <laughs> and... Uh, that could come out. I don't view it as a, a driver safety issue. We've run a lot of races with very, very limited practice. And, yep. and the biggest disadvantage is in the lower series where, uh, you know, for example, my son is leading the Xfinity series points and he's never raced at Darlington. 
So how does he get ready to go to a very difficult racetrack uh, where he wasn't able to test, he wasn't able to practice? But in the cup side of thing, you really don't have that. And, and in those cases, you have to set realistic goals, right? You have to set, you have to understand the situation and do, know that this is an extraordinary situation and just deal with it. I, I, think, I think the biggest mistake that any sport could make at this point, or even business for that matter, is it, it can't be the way it was, mm-hmm. right? So how do you do it? Like being perfect it means what, right? So having a perfect race, what does that mean? And it, that doesn't matter. What really matters is how can we get on the racetrack and have the people safe with, with doing it, right? And, and it doesn't matter how we used to do it. It doesn't matter. It just plain and simple doesn't matter. People adapt. We overcome. We find a way. And, and that's what sports are about, by the way. So if, if hockey comes back and they say, hey, we've got to have shorter game matches for whatever reason, you know, the game's got to be a little bit shorter, then it just is what it is. And somebody's going to find a way to do it better than the next. And that's the way I view this, is that these are professional race car drivers that should be exceptionally prepared that should have taken these time, this time off and gotten in better shape. Been, you know, they've known it's going to be Darlington for quite a while. They should have been studying film. They should have, they should have been preparing. And anyone that hasn't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for. So, so because they're professional athletes. That's what you do. Um, so I'm not concerned from a safety standpoint. There's been a lot of talk for years. A lot of people think the races are better when we have less practice. Hmm. We're getting ready to find out. I mean, we're my golf game, my golf game doesn't do that. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't know, man. I go to the, I, 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 I go to the, the driving range and I hit like you know, pop right off the bat. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a good day. And I play like crap. You leave all the good, you leave all the good ones out, yeah, on, the, so out on the range. Yeah, I'm sort of that practice. Well, I, I want to talk about the drivers because you actually just made a point and I heard you mention this in previous interviews as well. They are athletes. I think sometimes people forget that just because they're driving a car, like these are these are top level professional athletes. You mentioned race shape. They're they're looking at roughly sixteen hundred miles in an eleven day stretch of competitive racing. What is race shape? And put yourself back in their shoes. How would you have yeah. prepped for this stretch coming up? The most difficult thing to prep for is the heat. So uh, it's very hard. Um, you know, it's very difficult to uh, put yourself in an environment where you have the heat that's inside of a race car while you're training. That's one of the most difficult things to do. Becomes more, becomes easier as the weather changes, uh, but it hasn't gotten hot. And, and so you're gonna have drivers that have not been in the cars, um, have not been dealing with the heat, have not been dealing with the G-forces. That's, that's race shape, right? Uh, same as basketball, right? You hear, you hear uh, basketball players you know, talk about they were, they had an injury, they were training, they trained a lot. And the game comes and they're, they, they can't get through the game because they're not in game shape. So it's the same thing. Um, you know, I will say that if we get, if we get an, uh, an unusually hot, an unusually hot couple weekends back to back, <laughs> it's going to be a test. Um, and that's where, that's what I said earlier. Like, what have you been doing for the last two and a half months? If you've been, you know, on the couch eating, 
you know, finger foods playing video games uh, versus have you been training and have you been preparing? That could tell the tale. Um, uh, but, you know, that race shape thing normally takes two to three, four races to kind of get yourself in that rhythm. Um, and I think it will here too. Uh, but, but the driver should be in, in good enough shape to, to, to get themselves to it, even if it's extraordinary hot. So by the end of this first cycle, everybody should be in, in the shape that they need to be in for the next cycle. Exactly. Is, uh, is this the blueprint you think for the rest of the season, kind of multiple races at, at a select number of tracks? And how do you, is there a way to, I guess, get the restrictor plate tracks in there, the short tracks, the, you know, the, the road tracks, things like that? Or is it just wherever they can go, that's where we're going? I think it's a combination of those things. I think that, you know, if you look at, I, so I think what you have to do is you have to look at the states that the tracks are in, mm -hmm. right? And if you look at the states that the tracks are in, where are the states in regard to their uh, uh, opening up? Where are their states? And does it change, right? So, you know, the biggest fear is that you, you know, you start to slowly open up. I was just going to use North Carolina for an example. You start to slowly up and open North Carolina up. And you get this, you start getting these numbers and these sicknesses and illnesses. And they're like, hey, we need to shut it back down. That's the biggest fear. I think that's the biggest fear for all of us for everything, right? Like for our health, for our financials, for, for everything. I think that's the biggest fear. So I think what's going to happen is the NASCAR is going to come out with a schedule and they're going to do uh, for the rest of the year. And they're going to do their very best to make that uh, happen. But if something changes, then they're going to have to change a race and go somewhere else. And um, I mean, I think that's all they can do. And, and, and if they have to take a race away, that would be disappointing for that race. And it gets very complicated, right? Because mm -hmm. um, sponsors, right? They, they, you know, very few cars today are sponsored by the same sponsor the entire year. Multiple sponsors are on a given car. So, if a sponsor bought the, the Coca-Cola 600 and the Coca-Cola 600 gets postponed and gets changed to a race in Pocono, what does that sponsor say about that? You know, how does that affect their marketing plan? You know, there's things like that that make this so complicated. It really is going to take the entire industry working together to get through it. Um, but I do see us running. I do see us running multiple races at the same racetrack. Uh, I see us running multiple races at the same racetrack in just a matter of a few days, like we're getting ready to do. Mm -hmm. uh, because at some point, the year has to have an ending, right? Because there's another year coming. So you got to end it somewhere, somehow you got to end it. And, and to get all those races in within a given amount of time, the only thing you can do is have more races in a shorter period of time or start eliminating races. And the problem with eliminating races is, again, you have sponsors that have, you know, have, you know, agreed to sponsor those races. And now you start taking revenue from the teams. You start, uh, you know, there's television money that's gets paid to the team. So they won't be eligible for that money. So NASCAR is trying to run all the races uh, because number one, the fans want to see the races. And, and number two, from an economic standpoint, it's best for the teams to run the races that are on the schedule. Yeah, you know, there, there are a couple sports that can pretty much adapt throughout the course of the year. The indoor sports like basketball and hockey, 
you know, football can be played in any weather, but you look at baseball and NASCAR and they're really the ones who kind of have to stick to their seasons. So you, you really are under the, the gun to get that, to get the races in, but talk so about it's a, So it's a, so it's in some ways it's an advantage golf. Like I think golf and racing have the two best opportunities mm-hmm. to go back. Right. Cause you, when you're playing golf, you really, you, you know, if you're a professional golfer, even if you have a caddy and you get your own clubs out of your bag, or, or maybe the, maybe you don't have a caddy, maybe, maybe he drives a golf cart and you get your bag. I don't know. But to me, golf and racing are the two best opportunities. They also have their challenges, right? Yeah. Because of weather, they're both outside sports, uh, which is an advantage, but it's at a disadvantage. So, you know, it's just like everything else. There's pluses and negatives, but, but um yeah, the, how you get the right number of events in so that your TV partners, so that your sponsorship, so all that works and makes sense. That's a, that's, that's what everybody's going to be juggling. Well, we've already seen golf has adjusted the schedule uh, to the point where only the British Open is the only major that's been canceled this year. Everything else has been postponed to later in the summer. And even some events, I think they're, they're looking to start in June and July. So, so that's there. But talk about these two racetracks that you are going to first, Darlington and Charlotte. Who do they set up well for and who has a dis- who's at a disadvantage? So, so you know, there's somebody who's like, it had to be these two. It had yeah, to be these so, two. So, um, you know, what I look at for Darlington is who's, who's you know, who's experienced. Like who, who is um, mature enough to put all this behind them and just go race, right? Because I don't even want to say this is a distraction. Distraction is not a big enough word. Yeah. But, you know, distractions in sports create bad results. So who has the experience, the mental fortitude, the right team, the right approach to go and attack a racetrack that penalizes you if you do it wrong? At Darlington, you're going to hit something. And I go to the Kyle, I go to Kyle Bushes, I go to the Kevin Harvicks, uh, I go to those guys that have proven over a period of time that they know how to deal with adversity. They, they flat out are great race car drivers. They have the experience necessary. Like I think some of the younger guys, uh, they have an advantage in some ways, uh, but this is just one of those racetracks that I think experience matters. And I think that the people with experience are going to, going to have the best shot. And, and Charlotte, you know, Charlotte's a little bit more difficult because people have most of these drivers have more time at Charlotte than they do at Darlington because Darlington has gone to run in one race a year. Charlotte run, you know, until last year, they've been run two races a year. Now they run the Roval, but a lot of them have run two races a year there. Uh, in addition to that, they probably ran truck races there. They ran Xfinity races there. The experience, experience level uh, changes a great deal when you go to Charlotte. Um, Ryan Blaney and when when the year stopped Ryan Blaney was running really really well but having disappointing finishes so somebody like that who has sat there for two and a half months simmering right over how good we've been but we didn't get any races won like those guys I think will be will be hard to beat as well it is a spectator sport um you mentioned you you mentioned it a little bit earlier that it's going to be different how do the spectators play a role in the in the race day atmosphere and how is that going to be different without them in the uh in the stands because the cars make a lot of noise so from the outsider's perspective it's not as if you're playing basketball where you can feed off that energy but where does that energy come from so um the only thing i've never done this before so keep this in mind i've never raced in front of no crowd yeah um I have gone to many, many racetracks and tested, right, and been no crowd. I've been there 
uh, on practice days and there'll be a small crowd, the infield's full, but not many people in the grandstands. Um, the fan, even though you can't hear them um, when you're in the car, there is a, an energy and an atmosphere that gets created in the whole weekend. So when you roll into the racetrack, the infield's full, uh, there's motorhomes everywhere. There's a sense of excitement. Uh, the people are having fun, sometimes too much fun. Um, and, and you feed off of that. You feed off the fans' energy. And you know that they came. They might not be a fan of you, but they came to watch you race, right? They came to watch it. And, and there's an energy that gets created by that. And, and it's going to be a dis- – when I said distraction earlier – when you go into that infield as a driver and everything's different, right? So your truck's parked in a different place. Your motorhome that you normally stay in isn't allowed in the infield. There's the people that you see at the racetrack normally you don't see. You, you and another driver aren't sitting there hanging out on pre-race stage, you know, shooting the bull. Like all that's not going to happen. You're going to have to focus. You're going to have to focus on the task at hand because it's going to feel so different that for some people it can be overwhelming and get the mindset in the wrong place. And, and the fans are what create that. The fans are what create that energy, create that atmosphere, the noise, the music, the, all those stuff that's happening. They're excited to be there. You know, it's a damn party. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a party. And you're, you know, you're the final act in a great party. And, and um, it's going to feel a lot different. And I, you know, I hope, that we, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, I hope we can get fans back in the stands ASAP uh, because our, it is a fan-driven sport, period, in the story. And it's going to feel a lot different without fans on, at the racetrack, a lot. Well, I know that we're, as sports fans, we're looking forward to any sort of competition that we can view again. Um, I know that we'll be following along. Fox has it, the, initial, the first initial races yes. he picks up. Uh, in the summer, so we'll be following along with you. I, I do want to say one more note about yourself. Uh, you're obviously a 2019 Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee. You're on the ballot for the 2021 NASCAR uh, Hall of Fame, which I know has been postponed, but we're going to be pulling for you. Hopefully hopefully we can see your name associated with that, so congratulations. Uh, but overall, Jeff, it's been a pleasure catching up today. Uh, a lot of good information about NASCAR's restart and just looking forward to getting, again, some of that competition back where we can view. So thanks for taking the time out. Well, thank you, and I thanks everybody for tuning in. You know, the, the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame there is um, uh, I was inducted, and it was a it was, it was a great moment. Great guys have a beautiful facility and great ceremony. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun, um, and it was an honor to, an honor to be part of it. And uh, I will be really glad when you guys can can get open back up and have your right. have your ceremony because uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, if, if for if anyone that's watching this haven't been. You know, when you get over to that back up, buy some tickets and go because it is a it is a real fun, laid back, uh, uh, fun night. It was a re- it's a really fun night to hear stories and uh, just have those conversations. It, it's 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 definitely worth going to. Well, we appreciate that, and I'm going to put you on the PR payroll after that. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, again, you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Burton. Uh, catch him on NASCAR America and NBC Sports Network and their NASCAR coverage. I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in again today. These have been a lot of fun. As always, thanks to our partners, Priority Automotive, City of Virginia Beach, Optima Health, ESPN Radio 94.1. Be sure to follow us on all of our social platforms at VA Sports HOF. 
uh, archived episodes of our Hall Call podcast are on SoundCloud, Spotify, and our website. Once again, I'm Will Driscoll. I'm hoping everybody's staying safe, staying healthy. Sports is coming back, so be on the lookout. We'll speak to everybody soon.